Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Amid the second largest bank failure in history, President Biden defending the U.S. banking system and telling Americans to rest assured. But some investors are saying they're concerned about how the government's actions could impact the market in the long run. NTD's Iris Tao brings us more from the White House. After the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank last week, President Biden tries to assure Americans that he can have confidence in the U.S. banking system amid federal response. Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. The Monday speech comes after bank regulators announced on Sunday that the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation would fully cover deposits at both failed banks. And the money will come from Wall Street and large financial corporations instead of taxpayers. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. But investors in the banks will not get the same protection as Biden says they knowingly took the risk. That's how capitalism works. The downward spiral of FBB began last Wednesday when it surprised investors with the news that it needed over $2 billion to shore up its balance sheet. And in just a matter of days, SVB collapsed as worried depositors rushed to take their money out, contributing to the second biggest banking failure in U.S. history. And while some lawmakers praised Biden for the sweeping action. He took very strong action. Uh, action that in many ways is extraordinary but absolutely necessary. Shark Tank judge Kevin O'Leary says Biden's move effectively nationalized the private banking system, which will have a profound impact on investors. More according to what the president is going to say, you have zero risk and that has consequences. There's no such thing as a free lunch and this is going to be very expensive for shareholders of banks long term. I would never put my money into a bank stock ever again. Meanwhile, SVB's collapse is also shaking up expectations about the next rate hike by the Federal Reserve. The Fed has been rapidly increasing interest rates to try to tame inflation. But the latest bank failures and the stress in the banking system overall are making banks like Goldman Sachs tell their clients that they're no longer expecting another rate hike next week. Reporting from the White House, Aris Howe, NTD News. Congressman Mike Flood sits on the House Financial Services Committee, and he joins us to assess the fallout from the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank. Congressman Mike Flood, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So, Congressman, I I have to ask you, with the Silicon Valley Bank here, um, what do you think were some of the primary factors that have led to the uh, sudden collapse? Well, uh, just some of the information that I've come aware of, the massive growth that this bank saw. In the last two and a half years, this bank went from being a $50 billion bank to a $220 billion bank. In just the last year, it's doubled uh, in the total assets. So we're talking about a financial institution that's had a meteoric rise. Uh, It begs the question, where were the regulators? What were they doing? This by no means is a community bank. This bank was a specialty bank that had massive growth. And obviously, uh, there's a lot of questions to be asked as to why this happened. I think it's a good thing that we're going to get answers to that. But uh, the Federal Reserve and the FDIC have have, uh, made their decisions. And what I want to reassure people is that your community banks, that the banks that uh, our banking system in America is safe, 
It's safe to keep your money in, and it is uh, it is a system that has withstood the test of time, and it will do so going forward. Uh, we have to sort out what this specific bank was doing. Congressman, this issue has immediately uh, become political. You have the president now vowing uh, new bank rules, um, his administration referring to the previous administration, loosening those. Um, is this the answer, do you think, and do you see it actually making headway uh, in the House if they go this route? Well, this is such a Washington thing to do. Uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater. What we have to do is we have to find out what was happening at Silicon Valley Bank. We need to find out what the regulators were doing, uh, what the depositors were doing. If you're holding that much money in a bank, 90% of these deposits exceeded $250,000. I want to know what the regulators were doing. Were they doing their job? Every single problem that we have in America cannot be fixed by passing another law. We have to make sure that we understand there's a big difference between a bank like this and the banks that we use every single day across the United States, the banks that I rely on here in Nebraska that, that we know are safe. What I fear is that this will lead to another round of regulation for regulation's sake. Let's find out what failed here before we start pledging all sorts of new bank regulations. Uh, let's find out who didn't do their job and why this bank was growing so fast and what was contributing to it before we start to put the thumb down of the federal government on all the folks that are just trying to earn a living and, and uh, relying on banks that are financially and fiscally sound. It's an excellent point, Congressman. You know, a lot of times when we see these anything happen in life, there's always tends to be a knee-jerk reaction with a scapegoat, and uh, it typically doesn't wind up being the, the best course of action. So to your point, uh, what do you think will ultimately be learned? What can be learned from this? And second question is, how big of a risk is it by setting a precedent of bailing out some of these banks in one way or another rather than allowing a natural flow of correction? Well, what I think is important to set the record straight on, the shareholders that own the bank stock of Silicon Valley Bank, their bank stock is worthless now. They will lose everything. And quite frankly, they should. The money that's being used by the Federal Reserve is, is basically an insurance policy that banks all over America pay into. And so what we're doing with that, what the Federal Reserve is doing with that, they're taking that insurance policy that is paid for by the banks and they're making those depositors whole. Now, what will happen to replenish that fund? They will assess each bank in America an assessment to replenish the fund. But it begs the question, what has changed here? Do we now send the message that uh, every single bank that has a failure, we're, we're not going to set ourselves at $250,000. We're going to go up uh, to make people absolutely whole. People have to understand that there's a limit for 250 for a reason. Now, I'm not second-guessing what the Federal Reserve did here. I'm not second-guessing what the uh, what the FDIC did. I think that uh, we are on a better path because of the actions that were taken over the weekend. Uh, but I think we got here because we had an issue with regulators. We had uh, bank leadership that made decisions that put themselves in a terrible spot. And we had depositors who uh, apparently were ignoring, to some extent, uh, the FDIC insurance limits. That said, now's the time to figure out what's happening here. And you know what else happens? When Washington overreacts, the people that get punished are the entrepreneurs in a small town somewhere in middle America that can't get a loan because there's too much regulation. We need to unlock American innovation. We need to make sure regulators are doing their job. And ultimately, 
uh, we need to make sure that this never happens again. Congressman Mike Flood, thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. Various investigations happening on Capitol Hill are grabbing attention recently. What are the top concerns? Earlier, I had a chance to speak with Chairman of the House Oversight Committee, James Comer, who's leading several of these investigations. Chairman James Comer, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Chairman, I want to ask you, uh, since you've taken uh, authority at, at, at the Capitol, um, what are some of the key investigations right now that you think the American people need to know about? Well, two of the biggest investigations are the Biden family influence peddling and the origination of COVID. Now, if you go back to November when we won the midterm elections and Jim Jordan and I had a press conference, we announced that these would be our two primary uh, goals of our investigation. And the media blasted us. They said the laptop was Russian disinformation. They said anyone that thought uh, la the, that COVID originated in the Wuhan lab were conspiracy theorists. Today, the government's admitting that COVID came from the Wuhan lab and everyone, including the Twitter executives and the CBS and New York Times and everyone else is admitting the laptop is legitimate. So we've made a lot of progress in a short period of time. Uh, now it's time to hold people accountable for wrongdoing. If you could, Congressman, tell us uh, what type of uh, whistleblowers are you hearing from? I know that you were talking to them before you guys uh, won the election. And now what, what are you hearing now? Well, if you look at uh, all the different businesses that the Biden family were involved in, uh, there are probably 25 people that were involved in it. Many of them are, are from foreign countries. But we've had just this week four people uh, that were directly involved in the Biden family, what I would call influence peddling operations, come to us, either them directly or their attorneys offering to cooperate. So we've made a significant amount of progress in a short period of time. We're starting to get information in. We're starting to get documents in. Uh, hopefully we'll get bank records in very soon. But this investigation is moving along at, I think, a much faster pace than what most people realize. Are you surprised or encouraged at the level of interest or uh, participation that you're seeing from the Democrats, specifically in the subcommittee on uh, China? Yeah, I am. Look, everyone knows China's a problem. That's one thing that's bipartisan in Congress. We recognize the fact that China's our biggest threat. Now, think about this. Part of what the Bidens were doing in their influence peddling schemes were they were trying to help China get their foot in the door on the American energy industry. I mean, we're in agreement in Congress, Republicans and Democrats, on the fact that China shouldn't buy farmland. China shouldn't be making semiconductors. The list goes on and on. Well, think about this. China shouldn't be involved in our energy industry either. I think Democrats would agree with that. Well, who's trying to help them? Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden and Jim Biden were involved in it. And remember, this is the company that, uh, according to Tony Bobolinsky and a few others, Joe Biden was a part of. He was the 10 percent the big guy. So, you know, this is something Americans deserve answers to. Whether or not Joe Biden was involved in these business uh, schemes with China, because again, China's our biggest threat. When it comes to holding China accountable, this question has now come to the forefront. It seems like it's still a relatively uncomfortable question uh, for the White House to answer. Um, what does holding China accountable actually look like? Well, and it's, it, it, all of the above. China manipulates their currency. They steal our technology. They have spy rings in just about every major research university in the United States. Now, when you're Joe Biden and you see that China has funded your Biden Center for Diplomacy, China has been uh, basically the, the main employer for at least two, if not three, of your family members, then it puts you in a bad position. We need a president that's strong uh, and firm against China. 
Uh, unfortunately, we don't have that. We've got to do everything we can to, to identify the industries that China uh, is a threat to us in from a national security standpoint. That's agriculture, and that's technology, and that's energy. Anything involved in those three industries, we need to make sure that China doesn't have ownership in or they are, don't, aren't in a position to where they have a competitive advantage and can somehow disrupt our system because we have to have a food supply, we have to have an energy supply. So uh, I think what you're seeing now is Congress in a bipartisan manner taking steps to identify the different industries like the semiconductor industry that China has almost complete dominance along with Taiwan uh, and we've got to figure out a way to bring that production in the United States. So there's, you have the issue of China's industries, but you also have the issue of commerce and business with China. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, well-known secret that uh, Washington is run by lobbyists. Um, how concerning is the China lobby uh, reaching out to, you know, the White House and others? It's a big concern. I mean, China has legal foreign agent lobbyists in the United States. That's what the Bidens were doing. They just weren't registered. Therefore, that was an illegal activity. But they essentially served as lobbyists, Hunter and Jim Biden, for communist China. That's a problem, and every American should be concerned about that. But they should also be concerned, look what we're seeing with University of Delaware and, and University of Pennsylvania. Unfortunately, that's a trend with all the universities that have big research and development departments. China is a huge benefactor to our university. House Oversight Chairman James Comer, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.